It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research invites you to check out their gift guides at OutdoorResearch.com. You can click on a handy gift guide for him, a gift guide for her. Wait, are we still doing that? The whole gender thing? Uh, what? Oh, it's okay at Christmas? All right. Well, wait, what about the war on Christmas? Are we allowed to talk about Christmas? Holiday season. Okay, holiday season. All right, then. Anyway, gift guides for skiers, climbers, hikers, and more, including a gift guide for stuff under 50 bucks, including, but not limited to, the Ninja Clava. Yes, I said ninja. So check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com, and this year, get your outdoor people something they'll really love. Outdoor Research is a proud, gender-neuter sponsor of the Run Out Podcast this holiday season. I think that climbers of a certain age will always find it really weird and even deeply uncomfortable to see our sport covered by mainstream media. But it's just becoming a more regular and normal part of the age in which we all live. Free solo at the Oscars, climbing in the Olympics, blah, blah, blah. Over the past decade, I've come to expect seeing the New York Times dedicate some space about once a year to covering climbing trends. From a look at risk-taking behaviors, to business stories about the explosion of the climbing gym industry, to personality pieces about daredevils like Alex Honnold, or urban phenoms like Ashima Shirashi. I love these stories as much for what they get wrong as for what they get right. A shrewd outsider peering into our niche world can dish up troves of wisdom and insight that you, being so close to something, could never have otherwise seen. But then there are other stories that are just sloppy and bad, and it just so happened that the latest piece from the New York Times was one of those stories. It missed the mark in a lot of important ways, but perhaps the most offensive thing was that it was just badly written. Normally, I wouldn't have paid much attention to it, but Outside Magazine contacted me and they asked me to write a response to the Times piece. And so, with a margarita in hand, because I just so happened to be on the beach in Mexico at the time, I whipped out a response. This is Andrew Bisharat, and I'm here tonight with my favorite friend, Chris Kalous, to discuss the Times piece and my response. It felt good to write this, to be honest, because I haven't really been focusing on writing these kinds of climbing rants and op-eds lately. But maybe I should do more. We'll see. I hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks, as always, for listening. So I was listening to my favorite sports podcast on the way over here, which is Hang Up and Listen from Slate Podcasts. And those mm-hmm. guys are so good at what they do. Journalists that do it for a living and uh, broadcasters, you know. And then I was like, man, we're so bad at what we're doing with this thing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. We are, but we're not. We're also not. I mean, we're, we're just on a different level. Yeah, we're I on mean, a different level. Yeah. Our our problems are different than theirs. Like we forget to just publish an episode. Yeah, for example. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, the last episode I thought was published like ten days ago, and uh, the one about Nims, the uh, the 
Nepalese cat had climbed eight, all the 8,000 meter peaks. And actually it wasn't. And, um, <laughs> normally something like that would have been caught by my compatriot, uh, Andrew Bishrat, but he was on vacation in Mexico. So I just That's thought right. like, Oh, it's out there. You know, I'll, I'll hear about it later. And, um, I started to be suspicious that maybe it wasn't, but then I got sidetracked. And then finally Andrew texted me like, what's going on? It was like, Hey, how's it going? But it, you had to read between the lines. Yeah. It's more like, why is, Hey, yeah. how's it going? Yeah. Like, what have you been doing? Cause you're supposed to be the guy that puts the podcast out. <laughs> um, anyway, so it wasn't out. It is out now. Um, when you hear this, it will have replaced it on the, uh, the feed. So go back and listen to it. If you, if you didn't catch episode 32 yep. with Nims, which was kind of a bummer cause it was sort of a current event and we got Freddie on right away to talk about it. And then, uh, two weeks later, like, the internet just moves on. Our like, fans are forgiving, though, I think. They are. Yeah, yeah totally. They don't no. care about current events or, yeah. you know, frequency of posting podcasts. Or slickness or, like, yeah. Yeah. Or we don't, re- us doing research. Jingles. Or, we yeah. don't have, like, little theme song music. In we do weeks. have a theme song music. Well, you know, like... I in, wrote in that be- music. In between the, you know, oh, right. like, in between the show. Like, yeah. we've got one at the beginning. Yeah. We're not doing, like, fancy radio uh Radio Lab cuts. Of, no, you God, know. The, the, don't get me started on the <laughs> freaking Radio Lab production. Anyway, but one thing that was interesting is that you are in Mexico, and I'm figuring, okay, Andrew's disconnected. He's down there just chilling with his family, like got the internet off, and yet, boom, internet. Andrew Bishrat article appears out of nowhere a couple of days ago for Outside Online. And uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, no, he's down there working. So <laughs> what was up with that? It was, it was a minor amount of work. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool opportunity. I got a, an email from an editor at Outside Magazine asking if I wanted to respond to this article that had appeared in the New York Times. Okay. Um, it was the, the New York Times piece was sort of a... I don't even know how to describe it other than it just being a trend piece about gym climbing, but it sort of went all over the map with its its focus and targets. Yeah, I mean, it did reference outdoor climbing as well. You a know. bit, yeah, but it was it, the main thrust seemed to be like yeah. what's going on with the gyms. But anyway, regardless of what the article was about, I, I got this ar- this email asking if I wanted to respond to this and. Uh, it was a surreal moment for me to receive this email because I was sitting on the beach with my family, my uh, three-year-old daughter and our, um, what is she, five-month-old daughter now, and um, my wife's mom and her husband. And we are watching this almost pornographic photo shoot take place in front of us on the beach. Like this dude and these two women with these... I think you could describe them as asses that could only be created through implants. Like Mm -hmm. they were just gigantic asses doing topless photo shoots on the beach, you know, for whatever their Instagram influencer feeds. And you know, there's, (laughs) who are they influencing with those giant butts? Well, dude, it was weird. Like (laughs) after, you know, if you, if you're a dude with like a 200 millimeter lens, like shooting of, relatively attractive woman who's topless 
all of a sudden everyone on the beach is going to think that that person is famous. Sure. And like literally people were running up to this woman. They're like, you're Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> I was like, that's not Shakira. No, that is not Shakira. <laughs> it's not Shakira. Do not disparage Shakira. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, I, I hadn't even heard this about this New York times story. So I'm, I'm kind of like reading this thing and I'm also watching this, you know, photo shoot take place. And I'm seeing these, like, I'm seeing this, like, what would you call it? It's just like a theater of everything that climbing is not about, you know, like a theater of vanity beach muscles and people vacationing who are just completely out of shape. And then people who were doing like their, you know, topless Instagram influencer shoots. And, uh, it's just a striking re- reminder to me of like what an insular world climbing is, you know, and how we have our own people who kind of all are identifiable, you know, in some ways, like we all have like a five ten shirt or uh, shoes on or something. You're like, Oh, that's a climber. But outside of our world, there's like this whole other crazy world that just seems completely insane to me. And so I'm reading an article about another outsider looking in on our world as, you know, so it's, yeah. So it was just like, that was the starting point of my, uh, my basis for responding to this piece. Not to mention the paycheck. Also to to, to sort of try to cover your bar tab. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I've been drinking a lot of margaritas and and beers at that point. So it's like two weeks of bar tab that I need to pay for. To to clear out of there. That would probably like take care of about a quarter of it. And in three, three to six months from now, I'm sure I'll get a paycheck. Right. Be able to pay for If you want to contribute to uh, Andrew's margarita and beer fund. (laughs) How do you do that? You don't have to be outside magazine to do that. Right. You can just send us money. Yeah, you can just send a check to Andrew <laughs> Bishred. Well, you know, Corey Rich, uh, our, our mutual friend and, and recent guest on the Normal Cast, said that nobody writes fast better than you do. Oh, yeah. That was his compliment, basically, well, to you. I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate that. Uh, thanks, Corey. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it, it was a fast turnaround. I, You know, I basically... And it was easy. I mean, this is that's kind of like in my old wheelhouse yeah, of, yeah. of you know Tuesday night bouldering style yeah. critiques that I used to do for for many years. So it, it wasn't really that difficult to to turn that around. The article came out. I didn't read it until I read your piece, mm. and I was like, "Oh, Andrew's writing down in Mexico. Let's see what this is." And then I had to go back and look at the piece. So, uh, what was your take on on the article initially? Uh, my initial take was it was you know three thousand words of just you know combing across the climbing landscape and just picking out random things to observe or critique and it just seemed so disjointed I wasn't even sure what to make of it uh, I mean there's everything from you know, I, you know my editor at outside his his big thing that he thought was really funny was the the scene of these Brooklyn boulders who you know meet for climbing in the gym but they admit that they don't actually climb much when they're there they just kind of talk and then they go out for brunch and he's like you know New York City sarcasm brunch it's this <laughs> he's like this scene has everything right. you know, it's like this is the most New York scene ever I mean, it's got everything from that to references to Sasha DeJulian's luxury, 
you know, Kalimnos uh, retreats that she holds for, you know, Silicon Valley executives looking for experiences and to just the fact that there's a bunch of people in the gym who have no fucking clue what they're doing. And, uh, and then, but the, the thing that I think the climbing community really honed in on, homed in on and, uh, picked apart and got upset about was this quote from this celebrity trainer who trains Kim Kardashian and, uh, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow. And his, you know, he's, he's a fitness expert, you know, in the celebrity world, you know, the guy who's like churning out the vanity beach muscles on the beaches of Mexico and, and the, you know, the Instagram models and stuff like that. And he was those ladies could have been clients of this gentleman. They could have been, they very well could have been Shakira, you know, in quotation marks. (laughs) Uh, and his, his main thing was that that climbing's a bad vehicle to full body fitness. You don't get good glutes. Your lower back is ignored. Your lats, you know, or your um, calves don't get worked out. And so, and he's like, basically, if you're like overweight, like most Americans are, you shouldn't even climb at all. And so, uh, that was sort of the, you know, the central point of my story was just pointing out how ridiculous that is. And the cool thing about that, um, was I heard from, I heard from so many people on Instagram and on social media who reached out to me in the aftermath and they were like, I've literally lost 120 pounds since I started climbing. And they, you know, like I checked out their feed and they're like, you know, like what a larger person, you know, climbing V4, 511 in the gyms and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool and really inspiring. Well, let me say this. I, I am extremely elitist about climbing. Like, I, I think, you? yeah, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> um, and yet I found that that type of elite, elitism was really disgusting mm. in that, you know, it's like, it is in fact open to everybody. I mean, it's open right. to people who um, have disabilities It's and, and people are really successful that way or are literally missing limbs and veterans who come back, you know, blown to pieces have found incredible sort of strength and, and interest in climbing. And, and just like the only thing it made me think though is like, I'm like, yeah, climbing isn't actually so inclusive as to include, include a du- douchebag like, what is his name? Harley Pasternak? Pasternak, yeah. Harley pa- I mean, it's like, I don't want him to go climbing. Right. I would just assume it was closed to him because right. I don't want to run into him at the cliff. You know. Well, so the, the thing that the New York Times article got wrong was not so much what... All of the th- examples that it had were rel- more or less accurate. You know, like a lot of its criticisms about gym climbers and everything it's it's all like yeah you know that's true that's part of our sport but it missed what's cool about our sport you know it missed what um what comes next from being a gym climber which is the community the 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 way you lead your life where you live the people you're surrounded with the trips you imagine the routes you start fantasizing about like all that stuff just like that makes that's really where our sport gets interesting and meaningful i think and none of that was included in the new york times piece so that was like the big error with a trend piece about where our sport's going is excluding the very thing 
that makes climbing meaningful. Right. Now this guy, this trainer, he he does to his credit, he does have a point. If you're just climbing at the fucking carny wall, you know, at the state fair, you're not going to get a great glute. You're not going to get great glutes. You're not going to like train your, you know, you're not going to get a full body workout that way. Right. So he's accurate in that in that sense. But at the same time, what he doesn't understand is that nobody goes travels to Greece to do deadlifts. Like nobody explores Patagonia to do, you know, squats. Right. It's like you go to these places because you're part of the climbing community. You've you've entered this world of being a climber, you know, and all of a sudden it's not just that you get this excuse to lose 120 pounds, like you know, a few of the people who reached out to me explained that they had done, but it's that you get everything else that comes with it. Right. You know, it's not just about the full body workout. It's about the, the people, the lifestyle, the ability to travel to anywhere in the world and go climbing. All of that stuff is what makes our sport great. And that was missing in the New York times piece. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, this whole idea that you create, you know, that you're out there working out so that you're, ass or your calves look good to other people, you know? And I think that in terms of the way I've always approached fitness and and it's mostly, I mean, in my adult life, it's been related to climbing. It's about performance. And, And if there's some byproduct of the way I look, then fantastic, you know, but the idea that I would go and just only, I'm only working out so that like I look good in a pair of tights just seems absurd to me. You look and, great, by the way. Oh, thank you. And it, <laughs> leathery, but great. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, it just, you know, that that whole attitude that comes from that, that part of the fitness world, I just, you know, one of the reasons that I think people can't stick with exercise like that, which is notorious, can't stick, stick with nutrition that's only, and I put nutrition in quotes when you're basically trying to lose weight, it's not necessarily the most nutritious thing you've ever done. It doesn't stick because it, it doesn't have any purpose. Right. You know what I mean? And obviously climbing is not the only sport where you, you, you try to become fit, you know, for performance, but it's, it's one of them that has this weird crossover without sounding cliche. Um, it has this weird crossover into lifestyle and I, you know, philosophy and, you know, when we talk about like guys who've been on the show, like Bill Ramsey, you know, like everything about his life from what he does for a living and how he approaches his intellectual pursuits and everything else is tied to this, this attitude towards climbing, which involves fitness. It involves mental acuity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to, I think it's probably really hard to describe that for some, you know, staff writer at the, at the New York times though. Yeah, it is hard. And, but that's the most important part of our sport. And that's mm-hmm, the part that mm-hmm. gets lost as these, you know, quote unquote trend pieces continue to pop up. And and the New York Times has run well, first let me say the New York Times has run some of the best mainstream climbing journalism that I've seen from John Branch. Right. He was covering the, the Don right. And so he he really he's a Pulitzer Prize uh winning writer. One of my favorite writers personally is his latest book, um, the Last Cowboys is really excellent. He's he's a great writer, and he approached the sport with a lot of respect and 
was able to capture what what it was about uh, what Tommy and Kevin were doing on the Dawn Wall that was so profound and meaningful in a right. really unique way. But there's also this other aspect of journalism of you know just publishing articles online or in the paper that satisfy trends you know and ideas of what's going to get attention and you know what's the current thing that people are going to click on and and this sort of seemed to be dabbling more on that side of it so speaking of clickbait um (laughs) your article (laughs) got a little pushback as well you were telling me that uh yeah you know i think this you know we have have i think both of us have this dichotomy in our heads of gym climbing versus outdoor climbing and where that crossover happens. And Mm -hmm. it seems like maybe that was the pushback a little bit. Well, that was sort of the way I, I structured my piece was, you know, I, I I had a template basically to work with, you know, they, the editor at outside sent me, he's like, this is another example of a story like this we've done where we've criticized the New York times and (laughs) basically follow this here and insert some stuff here and you should be good. Yeah. And you know, as I said, I had a lot of margaritas to pay for, so I wasn't (laughs) going to push back on this. And I was, and I, I was on vacation too. So I, I wrote this, I followed the template and I did what, you know, I was supposed to do as a, as the hired writing hand in this example. So the way that the article ends, my article ends is that I, I sort of end with this idea that what, what we were just talking about, which is what the times article missed, which was this other world that you get to with climbing that's outside of the gym, outside of all these trendy clickbaity things that is profound and meaningful and is, is, wasn't conveyed in the New York times piece. Mm-hmm. It was really, you know, it was like not, it was just the way that the, the piece ended. It was kind of, um, you had to use your imagination as to what I was saying a bit. Um, I didn't say anything to the effect of gym climbing isn't real. You know, this is the, the real thing comes next, but that's basically what I was saying at the same time. <laughs> and that's what I believe. You weren't saying it, but you were saying it. I wasn't saying it, but I was saying it. Just like my text message, right. you like, where's the, ep- hey, Chris, how's it going? How's it going? Where's Why haven't episode? you edited and put yeah. out an episode? Yeah, it was very yeah. clear what I was trying to say <laughs> Um, in, as, in not as many words. So anyway, the, the, art, the criticism that I saw online that... Um, from my piece revolved around this idea that I was being elitist to gym climbers and not really respecting gym climbing as like a valid thing. And, um, and yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Right. (laughs) The end. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, send your criticisms to Andrew at the runoutpodcast.com. Please. Um, I mean that, you know, I, I I just find that argument um, a little annoying because if I'm bouldering, you know, or let's say I'm bouldering in Waco and someone comes up to me and they're like, you don't know what aid climbing's about. Like, you're not aid climbing right now. I'd be like, yeah, no shit. Like, I'm not aid climbing right now. This is something different. Mm-hmm. I'm just, there's nothing wrong with aid climbing. I'm just bouldering. Well, that's how I feel about gym climbing. There's nothing wrong with gym climbing, but the thing that fulfills me and that I think about when it comes to rock climbing is actually climbing on rocks, 
And so that is, I'm not going to apologize for saying that. I think that rock climbing means you climb on rocks. It's in the, it's, it's like it's literally right the, part of the name of the, you know, the, the, the pursuit. So. Right. Well, I think that the, that, that is a distinction that is a, it's appropriate, but in modern times, because certainly when gyms appeared, uh, and I was just remembering earlier an article um, that was written about a gym that I worked in in the 90s, mid-90s. Like one of the first modern gyms were the recreation gyms. There was one in Salt Lake and two, um, one in Orange County, one in L.A. And um, they they definitely were early to this, I you know, this proper kind of modern gym idea mm-hmm. and the one L- in LA, the, the article that came out about it when it opened was, 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 uh, called between a hard man and a rock place. And basically the woman was just like stoked on the, the amount of like fit hot dudes that were in this gym. The was kind of the gist. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the woman who wrote the article. So, um, which was cool. I worked there. So I included myself in that group, but nevertheless, it, it, you know, more so at that rock. time. Did you call yourself Rock Hard Calus? <laughs> I did. Hard Man Calus. Rock <laughs> Hard Man Calus. Um, I was. I was freaking mid twenties, man. I was in my prime. <laughs> what I was, what I'm getting at is that at that time, the gyms were definitely being created, especially before that too, as this training ground for climbing outside, mm-hmm. like. That was the push. That was the idea. And I think gyms really, even financially, only came into their own when people building these gyms realized that, no, this is not, we're not just training people to leave. Mm-hmm. We're, this is a thing in and of itself. Right. And so I think a lot of people are just kind of in the middle of that still, of this idea that it's this it's this springboard to go outside, but it, it's not anymore. It's just not, it's a, it's a total, it, it can be, but it's also can be just this totally different thing. I, I kind of started climbing, um, in the gym simultaneously with also climbing outside at the gunks right. in New York where I was, uh, grew up. And I re- distinctly remember at the time going into the gym and seeing someone climbing, um, Sarah Torre on a poster that they had right. on the wall. And I'd never seen Sarah Torre before. And it just looked like the most outrageous fucking thing I'd ever seen in my life. And, there and then was you like turn this, around and look at the gym wall. And I was like, You're this not is my being, Sarah yeah, Torre. Right. <laughs> no. And, but there was that connection right. of like this, le- this could lead to that. Right. This isn't like, obviously Sarah Torre is not... <laughs> this shitty gym wall where I'm, you know, climbing right. right now, but this is part of that, that sport. Right. And maybe that is getting lost now. No, like it's maybe lost. It, I mean, I, and it's not even lost cause that, you know, sort of like implies some sort of mistake or whatever, but right. it's, it's th- just they've different. just split and it's yeah. just different. And, and frankly, I mean, we don't want every gym climber climbing out the doors. It, it can't, yeah. it can't handle it. You no, know we I mean? don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't think everyone, who gets what they get out of climbing in the gym is going to enjoy climbing outdoors. No, I don't say that as like, I don't want them there. It's like, I want, if you want to climb outside, I want you there. Like I want to be around people who are like that. Unless you're Harley Pasternak. Unless you're that fucking guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go train Kim Kardashian. Yeah, Do whatever it is you do. Just do it inside. But if, if you're, 
I, I think that there are a lot of people who, you know, they don't want to climb outdoors right. and that's fine. Yeah. Like I welcome to the gym and, and have a good time, but I, I want to uh, separate the meaning that comes with that lifestyle with what I consider to be the climbing lifestyle. Right. Just, I, th- I just find so much more profound. Right. No, I think, I think you're right. And, and there's somebody out there that's like pulling just as much meaning from their gym experience. And, um, yeah, that, that's just a little bit hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Like I said that, or like you said, that poster of, of Saratori, like, you know, I mean, it, there's some awesome gyms out there, but you know, they're not Saratori. <laughs> 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 that could be our next That's business venture. That's the most venture. profound thing I've ever said in my life, <laughs> by the way. You guys just pull the car over and think about that for a while. That could be our next business venture is a gym called Saratori. <laughs> I feel Sarah, like people will come to that. Saratori, S-A-R-A-H, Tore. It could, it could be um, basically like you have to rock climb up to the top and then you have to ice climb the right. mushroom cap. And we just... We have huge fans that just whip the snow around the, the gym. And if you're feeling particularly elitist that day, you can like chop all the draws yeah. off our wall. <laughs> it's just everything's Velcro. You just rip them off and rage. <laughs> this is this is a big. We need some investors in this whole idea. So the funny thing about this. Um, this article is that I, it was published while I was traveling. So I didn't, I I like didn't really see the edit process and, um, it just appeared online and then I landed and I was in customs and I started getting text messages from well-known climbers. So one of whom was like this dude, uh, this Harley dude, who's the fitness trainer, he's, he's like going to sue me because I like slandered him on online. Right. And like a defamation uh, thing. Yeah. Defamation and, thing. So hopefully we don't get sued for this episode, but if we do, you can contribute to our legal fund. <laughs> you contribute to our legal fund uh, <laughs> by just sending money, bags of money. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, I don't think, you know, the whole lawsuit thing is just ramp. It's it's another thing that's like out in that world of of uh of what you witnessed on that beach, this whole other place. Yeah, it's a whole it, other place. Yeah. Well, you know, we are changing this this uh the name of the podcast, right? What's that? It's called the Backcountry Runout <laughs> Podcast now. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. What did you think of that? The backcountry people? Yeah. I don't want them climbing either. I don't want those lawyers out there at the crag either. I thought, I, it, these whole, I, all these people just stay in your lane. Just don't come climbing. We go climbing to get away from you people. did they not give people. like a perfectly acceptable apology? I didn't read the apology. No. I'm oh, just going go. on to hate them. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Backcountryrunout.com. Backcountryrunout podcast. <laughs> Brought to you by Backcountry. That's, that is the probably the most genius way to uh, float our boat. Yeah. Get, get, you bring them on board. What, what did their apology say? Their apology was like, we're sorry we fucked up. We're going to support all of the people who have backcountry in their name and like give them money. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, sweet. Yeah. So we have backcountry like in our name idea. now. <laughs> I didn't even know that. And backcountry will be providing lawyers for our future uh, lawsuit Super with Harley, Harley Pasternak. Pasternak. Right on. <laughs> Thank you.
If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast. Or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com. 